Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. We have seen an increase in crime, especially areas like Los Angeles, San Francisco, and others where we've seen a rash of break-ins. Of all the bull that has destroyed our city. This inflation problem. Nothing will cut costs for American families more than the Build Back Better plan. To vote on a final product before Christmas. Pass Build Back Better. There's just not a whole lot of time between now and Christmas. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views, Tom and Benny. Benny is back in the hot seat. Got a good program lined up for you. We've got uh, Greg Murphy, Congressman uh, Greg Murphy, will be joining us in a little bit. Cousin Eddie Joe Biden was visiting Kentucky uh, in the aftermath of the tornado devastation up there and uh, met with Governor Andy Bashir. The uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas was with him. They told local leaders, don't hesitate to ask anything you need or you want. And um, but even as the president was touring the area, <laughs> hard to believe. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. It, it, yep, the cheers came out. The cheers came out. So, yeah, I wouldn't think Kentucky uh, would be friendly confines for Biden. No, but but it is interesting that in that situation, you you thought there it wouldn't happen, but it did. So even the people that were okay, that's enough. Let's go, Brandon. Even the people that were uh, there and uh, suffering tragedy, yeah, yeah, they're still saying, "Let's go, Brandon." Speaking of suffering, um, he I listened to the speech. He really suffered through his. I did not listen to it. It was bad. I I mean, it's it is so obvious that he is really struggling cognitively. And, and another thing, I mean, this isn't the first president to do this and first White House or whatever, I'm sure. And maybe they had the permission from the people, but they had set up in the, as a backdrop this severely destroyed home and a car, you know, so you could always see that during this presentation. And I don't know, maybe, maybe they had permission of the homeowners, but have been, been through a terrible tornado myself almost 40 years ago 1984 same ones that hit greenville um those memories still linger and for the people there in kentucky to just be showing to me it's just just shows poor taste everybody knows they've seen the images you know why just set up a stage of somebody else's suffering and and you know people do it and the, the administrations do it in time of uh hurricanes and disasters but i, I just I just think it's poor taste. Yeah, it's interesting. You say talk about his cognitive uh, shortcomings. New York Times has written a, a column, Brett Stevens, who is an anti-Trumper, but apparently he is now an anti-Biden. He, he touts himself as a conservative, but I think it's a little bit of a double talk. Uh, but he came out with a, a pretty hefty piece the last uh, day or so talking about, Joe, don't run again, please. Come out and make it clear that you're not going to run again. Yeah, I'm surprised something has hasn't been done. I, I mean, I, I've said from day one. I think it was it was the plan was in the works for Joe Biden was never intended to run for reelection, and I'm not so sure what's going to happen. But the Democrats cannot be counting on him being the candidate or Vice President Harris. Um, he would I, be uh, 86 at the end of his second term. 
and uh, and he's already struggling. So uh, it's and and uh, he also says uh, Kamala Harris, no, no, thank you. And, and <laughs> You're you know, as bad as Joe is. And age doesn't necessarily have anything to do with it. I've I've actually known some men and women in their eighties from a business perspective that were, I mean, sharp, they would think you under the table, but, um, he, he's clearly got some issues and it's sad that his family keeps putting them through this. Um, but, but it, again, this columnist, uh, the fact that the New York times ran this piece, it, it's pretty evident to both sides of the aisle that, uh, cousin Eddie is not, uh, not playing with, uh, all the marbles. Federal Reserve is positioning itself to raise interest rates at least three times next year in response to high inflation. Officials at the central bank issued projections today signaling rate hikes at a faster pace than previously expected. They had initially three uh, criteria that uh, they would have to thresholds they have to meet before they raise interest rates. Uh, one was inflation, which has been around for a while. The second one was full employment. And um, trying to figure out what the third one was. The uh, Oh, and uh, that that we would uh, – uh, what was the third one? I can't remember. But, but obviously we're not at full employment. Anyway, to make a long story short, they have scrubbed those and said, now nah, we're going to go ahead and raise raise the rates. And the markets responded. Well, they responded positively. Well, you know, the, I mean, the the Dow was up three hundred and eighty three. I, I think I think most economists that are working the private sector, not in the in the make believe world of uh, government, ha- have been saying for months, at least six or eight months. Hey, we need to do what, this. Number one, they need to quit printing money. Um, and the Fed quit needs to stop feeding and that that's causing it that's causing inflation and it's time for interest rates to go up i mean it's been talked about for six or eight months expected for six or eight eight months i think this is just the markets responding that hey um you know powell gets the message and it's it's better to you know announce it slowly raise them slowly see some changes as opposed to having a point where you've got runaway inflation and then you have to dramatically raise rates and you know an environment when you have incredibly fast rising interest rates and inflation is you know that's like late 70s early 80s stuff oh yeah hadn't seen that since that time oh yeah um by the way i said there's three criteria there there were only the two criteria the uh full employment and uh joe biden still in office yeah (laughs) (laughs) number three The uh, by the way, did you hear the National Archives has released a bunch of uh, 1,500 confidential documents related to the assassination of JFK? I did. And I'm kind of a Kennedy assassination junkie, so I'm sure uh, some, you'll have plenty of stuff to look yeah, at. Yeah, at some point I'll. It's boring life, isn't it? But you know, somebody's uh, got to be a geek. Well, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. All the theories. Will any of these? Will any of these documents, fifteen hundred documents, which you can go, you can go online, they're accessible to everybody, and you can go online and figure out, okay, what what exactly happened? Was my theory correct or incorrect? Or my hunch is it's not going to make any difference. No, no, it won't make any difference. But uh, <clears throat> I think everybody in America understands that uh, something happened, other than uh, someone shooting President Kennedy from with a bolt action rifle. <laughs> Which, which shots made uh no it didn't happen there was somebody else involved i'm telling you 
Well, interesting stuff. Uh, will any of these documents point to that? I mean, there's all kinds of theories out there. You know, there's one theory that he was accidentally shot by a Secret Service agent. You know, there's the grassy knoll theory and... Yeah, it'll be interesting. There'll be plenty of people scouring over this stuff uh, with uh, a microscope. And I think it mainly involves the, the the latest release of information is more about Oswald, I believe, isn't it? It looks like it. Yeah. It, yeah because uh, one of the reasons why so much of this stuff was uh, kept confidential was because of the relationship uh, and tensions between the United States and Cuba. And, uh, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald obviously had communist leanings. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess we got that would be a good topic of uh, trivia. There you go. Something on Lee Harvey Oswald. There you go. Tomorrow. We'll see. Actually, I've already got the question and it has nothing to do with Lee Harvey Oswald. (laughs) The Federalist has broken a really interesting story that is... Uh, and I want to ask Greg Murphy about this. I, I don't even know if he's familiar with it because it just broke today. This, uh, you, you know, the the big deal that the January 6th commission is making about Mark Meadows and how he refuses to cooperate with the uh, January 6th commission. He's given him a kind of a big middle finger pretty much yeah pretty much you shot him <laughs> the bird but but he said you know i'm i'm not going to deal with y'all and uh you know find me in contempt whatever you want to do well mark meadows defense just got a whole lot stronger today and uh thanks to uh adam schiff for, shifty shift for giving him a a huge out now remember adam schiff lied twice during the Trump debacle where they tried to impeach Trump. First of all, remember, he totally lied about the telephone call between the Ukrainian president and the president. He claimed he's kind of like editorialized, but it was basically he wrote a fake script. And then after he was caught, he had the chutzpah to say, oh, it was just a parody. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president. Then he also lied, came out and bluntly lied about the fact that he didn't know the whistleblower, Hmm. that he had no relationship with the whistleblower. Well, we found out afterwards, yeah, your office had been in uh, deep contact with the guy. You're texting back and forth and talking over the phone. Well, he's done it again. Adam Schiff has done it again. Uh, not only did Schiff misrepresent the substance of a text message, he went in, doctored it, but he also fabricated who the text message was from. Do you have that cut one with Adam Schiff? Here's Adam Schiff. Now, this was from last night when he was at a meeting. uh, It was a Zoom meeting with other people in the January 6th commission. To display just a few of the message he received from people, in Congress. The committee is not naming these lawmakers at this time as our investigation is ongoing. If we could cue the first graphic. This one reads, on January 6, 2021, Vice President Mike Pence, as President of the Senate, should call out all electoral votes that he believes are unconstitutional as no electoral votes at all. 
You can see why this is so critical to ask Mr. Meadows about. About a lawmaker suggesting that the former vice president simply throw out votes that he unilaterally deems unconstitutional in order to overturn a presidential election and subvert the will of the American people. Subvert the will of the American people is how it ended. Um, Talk about subverting the will of the American people. Adam Schiff is, uh, this guy ought to be taken out and horsewhipped. I mean, the guy ought to be impeached. I mean, you made the point before we went on the air. It's bad enough that you lie uh, about this. But, I mean, if you were lying to Congress, I mean, look what they want to do to, to Meadows. Which is worse, Meadows refusing to come in or Adam Schiff lying to the committee? Now, what he did was he took that that quote was just a small part of a much larger quote. So he has taken that out of the contents. He attributes it to Jim Jordan. It wasn't Jim Jordan. It was Department of Defense Inspector General Joseph Schmitz who wrote a, a, this quote. It was a, a part of a three-page document. He took it totally out of context. He was actually quoting um, Alexander uh, Hamilton in the Federalist Number 78 paper talking about how we're, uh, we should be doing, uh, when, when it comes to counting electoral votes, you got to make sure that they are votes that are indeed legal. By the way, we've got uh, Congressman Greg Murphy coming at a perfect time. Congressman Murphy, welcome in to uh, News and Views. Good to have you with us. And I'm going to bring you right into the conversation because we were talking about this January 6th commission. I don't know if you've even seen this news, but the Federalists came out today and they found out that Adam Schiff is going in and lying about text messages between Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows. I'm totally fabricating it, rewriting the text message, making it say something that it didn't, attributing it to Mark uh, to uh, Jim Jordan coming from Jim Jordan when it didn't. Um, when, when in the world are we going to rein in the likes of Adam Schiff, who is now doing this j- just as he did to Donald Trump in the impeachment trial? Um, I'm sorry, Tom, and I'll try not to speak ill of other members. <laughs> But I'm sorry, the guy is a pathological liar. Pathological liar. He lied during the impeachment nonsense. He's lied during the Russian hoax. And he's lying about this. So, you know, sadly enough, his people will keep reelecting him. But he's a pathological liar. He is a pathological liar. You cannot believe words that comes out of his mouth. Well, is anybody, I mean, right now they're trying to put Mark Meadows... You know, they want to throw him in the clink. What's worse, Mark Meadows refusing to cooperate with the January 6th commission or Adam Schiff deliberately lying? Now, of course, they said, oh, it was an inadvertent mistake. Baloney. When is he going to be held accountable? Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it sure won't happen while we're in the minority. You know, the, uh, the greatest... Uh, thing that the Democrats have now or try to prolong January 6th as much as possible. You know, I think there is uniform agreement, consensus agreement, as to what occurred was wrong. It should not have occurred. And, uh, you know, but then again, you look back on what happened during the entire summer previous, where over 50 federal buildings were burned. Minority businesses uh, way disproportionately were burned, looted, pillaged, and ruined. And then uh, you only have this January 6th, which was a crime. 
out and continue the the, the, the litany of lies. And uh, it's just uh, the American people now are seeing through it. They know that this is a partisan witch hunt, and uh, they don't really want any part of it. They don't want any part of it. So, Congressman Murphy, Benny Hardy here. Um, to follow up on this, what what is the difference, or do you know what the rules would be if, if I testify before Congress and I testify under oath and I commit a perjury, then I, I can be <laughs> it's a it's a criminal act. But if I'm a member of the committee, this congressman, do they not take an oath when they're on this committee to not present false information to the committee? I mean, what to me, what is the difference between a witness and a member of the committee um, asking the questions or presenting information? Because, as you know, sometimes they're not asking questions. They're just making statements. Well, if they're making a statement that is a lie, why is that not uh, something that is punishable by a crime? You know, Benny, you bring up a very, very good uh, good point. And to be very honest with you, I'm not sure of the uh, parliamentary procedure about that. Um, I am going to, you know, henceforth from this conversation, I'm going to ask about it. Um, because you bring up a very good point. Now, we're not under oath. Um, but witness is under oath. So I think there's somewhat uh, of an issue in that regard. But the fact that he keeps on lying and fabricating things, um, can be at least at the minimum of an ethics complaint. Sadly enough, um, uh, I don't think that we get very far with actually getting to the bottom of true ethical issues with the Democrats in power. Um, but it, it, at the bottom line, at the very least, it would be an ethical issue. Can anybody in Congress bring up an ethics complaint? Could you do that? Yeah, I could do that. Go for That's it. my understanding, <laughs> I could do that. Go for I, I, as, far as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, you know, there have been some issues, some ethics complaints um, about our uh, member of Congress in the far west in regards to certain activities, but I'm not sure they were made by members of Congress, Sergeant of Arms may be making one. But I'll, I'll look into that also. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you, the Build Back Better... I didn't Better, read the Federalist paper, though. So. The, build back, yeah, the Build Back Better bill. Now, of course, we've got, uh, over in the Senate, we've got Joe Manchin and cinema who seem to be pretty hesitant to uh, give their support to this bill and i know you're not in the senate you're in the house but as as they have been really struggling with this are, are there anybody uh, are there any house members that are, are now considering taking the same position as a joe manchin would have you heard anything about that well it would have to be um tom since it did pass the house with you know, amazingly, 13 Republicans, which if, it, if those Republicans had not voted for it, it would not have passed. That's right. Several, several Democrats, you know, of their mantra, there's not enough Jesus in the Bible. Um, there wasn't enough. There was not enough wasteful spending in that bill for them. Um, it would have never gotten over to the Senate. So what has to happen is um, if they do pass something and they pare it down, change it, it has to come back to conference. Right. And then the conference report has to be voted on by both houses. So um, I hope it drags out quite a while, and I hope that, honestly, I hope the whole thing gets killed. You create 150 new federal programs, it be a tragedy for this country. So um, it's a tragedy. Indirectly related to that, were you um, surprised that the Senate, and again, I know you're in the House, but you're right there up, up in D.C., but were you surprised that the 
the, the number of Republicans that voted to allow the Democrats to cavalierly raise the debt ceiling, which they did yesterday by $2.5 trillion, I, I don't get the, the, the politics of how that was a wise choice for the Republicans basically just to give the Democrats a blank check. Well, to my knowledge, Tom, I was—I uh, honestly did not see the final count. Um, I know I can't remember which members did, but if any Republican members did, I'm not sure either they're not coming back or um, they're really caucusing like Liz Cheney is right now with the Democrats rather than the Republicans. Well, uh, no, there was some in there that uh, I think are planning on running for election. I can't what the total number was, but I think it was. Uh, was it 13 13 or 14 yeah. i believe yeah. including i hate to say it but including uh, two senators from north carolina so uh, well now, now hold it. Now, that's the that's the senate vote i, I thought you're talking about the right no i was just asking your opinion no 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 yeah. no i'm sorry i'm sorry if I, that was confusing no it was uh no i don't think it would i think it was just one member in, in the house wasn't there uh kensinger but but it was really yeah, the senate that, that has to I raise it Right. Yeah. 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 No, I was referring so, more. Uh, were you just surprised that, that this was the political tactic of uh, Mitch McConnell and some of the Republicans over there? I, I, I don't get it. Well, you know, some of this is not easily apparent as it uh, is long term, short term kind of game. You know, I think I mentioned earlier when I was on your show with uh, Tillis allowing uh, voting for the infrastructure package right. to give cinema and mansion, you know, somewhat of a win to keep them from getting rid of the filibuster. If we get rid of the filibuster, our elections will, will turn H.R. 1, which is Pelosi's bill to make elections fraudulent in this country by law, by law. And so it was, a, you know, a somewhat of a tactical retreat to keep those two from allowing the filibuster to be uh, uh, keep it from being abolished. So, um, you know, some of this in Senate is a long game kind of view. For House, House politics sometimes is a shorter, shorter, a uh, shorter game kind of view. Let me uh, change gears and ask you about something else. You know, we the Liz Cheney over in this January 6th commission, you know, reading text messages and emails that, frankly, should have been private. I, I mean, unless these people want to volunteer and say, okay, I'm, I'm submitting this, it's it's public information, do with what you will with it, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I don't get the impression that all the text messages that she was reading were in that category. And I think people ought to be very concerned that their their privacy issues are, are dissipating. Now, let me say that as a preamble. Explain to me this Immunization Infrastructure Modernization Act. Why? And, and you, you voted for it. But um, yeah. in, in some people have called it a national vax database. Uh, no, I, totally incorrect. Well, could you, I want to give so, you some time to explain yeah, it to our listeners. Yeah, yeah. So, Tom, there's been a great deal of misinformation put out on this. And sadly enough, it's by <laughs> many Republicans who honestly did not either read the bill or did not seek advice from those who wrote the bill, Republicans who wrote the bill. And I'm going to give you an example of what we do this all the time in medicine, all the time in medicine. 
Um, I'm going to give you an example of things that I did. Kidney transplants. I used to do kidney transplants um, all the time. I did them for years and years. And so what we did is we gathered de-identified data from uh, individuals and programs, transplant programs from across the country. So nobody knew who patient X was or patient Z or patient Y. But we did know that maybe that transplant program in New Mexico was not having a very good three-year survival of their kidney transplants, right? Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, there's a red flag that's going on in New Mexico about kidney transplant programs. How do we know that? Well, we knew that through CMS data with the Center of Medicare Services because they're the ones that monitor what goes on with kidney transplants. So there is a system involved that is allowed to do this. Again, 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 de-identified data. Well, these vaccines were not identified, were not hooked with CMS. We just came out of Walgreens, you came out, you know, at these whatever clinics. There's no way of collecting de-identified data to understand whether perhaps, hey, maybe the batch that went to New Mexico from Pfizer was a bad batch. And maybe that uh, we're getting an alarming rate of individuals who uh, got hospitalized despite getting vaccinated in New Mexico. And that's the only way we're going to know this, again, from de-identified data um, of looking at those kind of things. And again, unfortunately, that's just an example. We do this with heart disease. We do it with lung disease, other things in medicine. Again, de-identified data and helping states bolster their programs to be able to do this. And unfortunately, you know, we have some folks that, you know, go off the reservation and, you know, I, I understand it, and, and, I mean, I think it's a fair question to ask at first. But, I mean, I had some folks that were really pretty hard on me who I explained this to, and, and I said, did you actually read this bill? And they're like, well, well no. We just listened to some other folks, which is, right. you know, just unfortunate. Um, I understand how people can be afraid. I, I will tell you, you know, and I said this one person, do you honestly think I would vote for a vaccine tracking system for people who are tracked in the country? I said, come on, you know, you know I wouldn't do this. And give me just a little bit of uh, a break that I know a little bit about medicine and the way that we try to help things in this country. So that's where it is. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we have some folks in our caucus that care more about their Twitter followers or their clicks on certain social media things um, than getting the truth right all the time. I love them to death. They're They're my colleagues, but let's actually work about truth and not publicity. So what I hear you saying then is that we're basically tracking the results of which medicines are working, which aren't, is there, but we're not tracking the individual who is actually receiving the, the vaccine. 100%. And this actually goes, Tom, against vaccine mandates. Because if you have places where they're being mandated and it's not doing anything, it's not moving the curve at all, like Cornell University, 97% vaccinated, and they've shut the school down because of an outbreak. So, you know, places like that, that maybe aren't a school, that are in a city or something, we have no way of knowing this. And we know that, you know, if you have a mask mandate or something else like that, but you're still having these massive occurrences, we know that we find out, see, these mandates don't work. Right. So, but you can see how people would be very skeptical in this, you know, when you see the, the push and the mandate and the, the, the timing of this. I mean, as you explain it, I understand and I agree with you. But you could, I can understand yeah. how people look at this and, 
unfortunately, people just don't trust the government right now with all the stuff that's going on. I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. 100% agree with you. And uh, I can understand. I mean, good Lord, nobody trusts Fauci anymore. Nobody trusts the CDC. Nobody trusts, uh, you know, the FDA anymore. Um, and I can understand that. Yeah. But I just don't want people to get too far off the reservation and at least personally understand that, you know, I've been in medicine 30 years. I know the language, the vocabulary, and how things work. And I never vote for any type of mandate, um, especially with these vaccine kind of tracking things. This would never happen. So. Uh, Congressman Murphy, a question for you that um, that's, that's kind of related to this. I was just wondering if there's anything in this bill or if there's any reporting mechanism currently to CMS. Because I've asked some public health officials in the past about this, and they kind of give me a deer in the headlights look. But are are we tracking um, you know, the people that have COVID and, and using those numbers in the natural immunity category or, or getting the feel for you know, the percentages, you know, we talk about vaccinated percentages, first and second dose and booster, but we never, I never see any reports of, you know, who's had COVID and that percentage of natural immunity. Um, is that being reported at all or what, or anyone asking those questions? Well, Benny, I, I think this, uh, this administration is doing a horrible job in recommending that natural immunity after you've had COVID is actually protecting against this disease. I think doing a horrible job because I think their fear is that it will take away from people being vaccinated. Well, because some, some people say, well, look, I was sick last fall. I probably had COVID, so I'm probably immune. And I get that a little bit. I get that a little bit. But the fact that, uh, you know, now CMS, uh, Biden's medical system was good enough, but, you know, they, they were going to come down and mandate it for their employees, which I knew they would. They did that with the flu vaccine. But they were going to recognize natural immunity if you had antibodies to it, which just makes total medical sense. Mm. But CMS came out and said, no, we're not recommending that, which is, uh, we're not allowing that um, to be a way to get out of, uh, get out of the mandate for the vaccine. So, which is, you know, 100% wrong. Um, but unfortunately, this administration, Fauci, et cetera, has refused to acknowledge that that exists. So I think that's very anti-science, start by following the science. Um, has been very, very problematic for this whole pandemic. Well, let me ask you, going back to the Immunization Infrastructure Modernization Act, is is there any category for natural immunity in that? Uh, No, I don't believe there is. I I, I would have to honestly check on that, but I I do not believe, I don't recall that being a write-off hand. Okay. One last thing before I let you go. Um, You're doing a great job with this whole fentanyl situation at the border and I know uh, you and other doctors are pressuring the Biden administration to uh, let's get serious about this. Uh, where does that stand? Have you had any feedback from the Biden administration? Is it just beating your head against the wall? Well, it's beating it against the wall, but I'm not going to stop. I got a pretty thick skull. Um, <laughs> you know, we sent a sent a letter to uh, Secretary Mayorkas right. that said basically, here are the facts. Here are the facts. You know. You guys have record seizures of fentanyl across the border, and, and everybody um, is screaming about that. See, they're doing their job. Well, yeah, they're catching stuff, but no drug cartel is in business to lose money, and so they're getting they're getting record numbers across the border. How do we know this? Two endpoints: number one, the cost of fentanyl due to the supply has plummeted fifty percent, fifty percent on the street. So the streets are being flooded with the fentanyl, and it's surprisingly in the face 
of increasing demand. Hmm. You know, we had 100,000 individuals die in a 12-month period from overdose, the highest ever. So not only has the demand gone up, you would think, which actually drive the price up, but it actually the cost has gone down. So, so it's really uh, even uh, more exponentially a problem. And so, you know, I'm sorry. They're complicit in, in the death of, of hundreds of uh, thousands of individuals across this country and because of their open border policy. Eighty percent of fentanyl that comes to the country comes across the southern border. So, Greg Murphy, keep up the good work, my friend. Uh, you do a great job up there. We're proud of you. And uh, listen, if we don't talk to you again before the holidays, uh, have a great Christmas. Uh, get a little rest if you can. Oh, great. Thank you, guys. God bless you, and both have a, have a wonderful Christmas yourself. Thank you, sir. Dr. Take Greg care. Murphy calling in from D.C., and uh, we're way behind. We need to take a break. Stay with us. Benny and I will be right back. 